Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, we um, we had a good uh, good weekend, a busy weekend. We had the uh, Super Bowl mm-hmm. on Sunday, and then Valentine's Day on on Monday. So, uh, did you? I assume you watched the Super Bowl. A I bit. did. Yeah, we watched Super Bowl. The Rams and um, the the Bengals were 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 at it. Great game. Low penalty until the last last couple drives. <laughs> yeah, um, the last series there. I think there were three penalties in a row on the Bengals, but. I was a little disappointed in the commercials. I, I usually it's usually fun to watch those. I, I I don't know. It just didn't stand out to me. So yeah, six and a half million dollars for every thirty seconds. So yeah, it's incredible. I think there needs to be some new ad agencies out there or something. But the game was fantastic, and uh, we've got um, Masters coming up in That's right. what about a month and a half. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you can start hearing the birds chirping outside. You, you start thinking, man, this is coming in springtime. Yeah, it is. It'll be here before you know it. That's always a fun time of the year because things are starting to bloom. We've got Easter, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that that uh, time frame and so forth. So I think April is one of my favorite months. I don't know. It's just starting to get warm in yeah. the 70s and 80s and so forth. Do, so. do more stuff outside as well. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So, uh, But we have a great show lined up today. I'm glad you're joining us. Um, We've got uh, two really good uh, topics. Um, uh, the first one, I'll let you introduce Matthew about uh, uh, marriage tips and, and money because that's uh, that's a big deal for folks, and we see a lot of issues in that area. Yeah, and so just thinking through what does a healthy marriage look like? What does um, what are some what are some healthy things that we can think through with money and marriage? Um, whether you are married now or you're desiring marriage, wherever you are, how do we think through this? Uh, wisely and and well, yeah, that's going to be a great uh, great topic. And then we're going to um, uh, close up with uh, what can um, how do you become content with money? And we see a lot of um, stress uh, with money, um, you know, with the uh, economy and politics and people's situations. And so this is a good discussion about how contentment can actually make you can make you rich, not not only in the monetary you know standpoint, but also um, just from a life standpoint as well. So. Great, uh, great conversation there because mm-hmm. we do see a lot of stressful folks come in, and we try to give them some peace and some contentment as well. So um, we've got a good, good show lined up. And by the way, I'm John Travis. I am a uh, Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have an MBA in finance, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for almost thirty years now. It's been a long time. Wow, that's more than <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm Matthew <laughs> Travis. I'm a certified financial planner. And I've been here at the firm for a couple of years, not quite 30 years, but um, it's been great. So, yeah, we're excited to have this show and for you guys to hopefully learn something. You've almost got four years now, right? Yeah, that's right. And almost 48 months. Yeah, that's right. More. That's right. I mean, you also interned here for a couple of years. So, you've, yeah, uh, and you've right. been through the Dave Ramsey curriculum in high school mm-hmm. that uh, we actually sponsor for high schools around the, so you got some experience. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you, have you listening to us today. Um, you know, you can always uh, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have the uh, link to the uh, podcast. You can also download it to your, your iPhone or Android and um, go check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of good tools out there and uh, Facebook page as well, MoneyMD. And I think, Matthew, you're going to be doing the prescription of the week this week. So uh, make sure you go check that out. And we're going to start off here with the financial fact. Yeah, and this is electric vehicle sales uh, globally increased by 112% in the calendar year 2021, rising from 3 million 
to 6.3 million worldwide, which is just incredible. And, you know, we honestly don't know the impact that this is going to have long term um, with, you know, with the um, environment and with, you know, gas prices and everything else. But it is incredible just to look even over a short time period, just one year increasing over 100% of sales. Yeah, that's right. And it's going to continue. I mean, all the projections going out to 2030 are you know, 60 to 80% of the vehicles sold will be, will be electric. So, you know, some takeaways on this is, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to predict the winners and losers. Obviously Tesla has done very well in this market. And, um, you know, it, it, when you look at, at the valuation of Tesla, it, it seems high. Um, there's a lot of other competitors. I, I know Ford's out there, Chevy. I mean, every single major uh, car manufacturer is is shifting to electric, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be it's really going to be a way um, that everybody does business in the future. So just be careful as you start to hone in on certain industries or certain companies. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We do know that electric's probably going to be the predominant vehicle, but who's going to be the the long term winner in this? We don't know. That's why we diversify, right? That's right. So you got to be very, very careful in that in that area. So great uh, financial fact of the week, and we're going to switch gears and uh, talk about money and marriage. Um, seven tips for a healthy relationship. This is a recent article out of the uh, Ramsey organization, and um, you know, Matthew. I mean, we run across this. We we see this. Um, probably see it in younger folks, and also blended marriages as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, some people think combining money. And marriage is a recipe for disaster. I mean, a lot of folks actually think about that that way. And money is the number one issue married couples fight about, and it's the second leading cause of, of divorce. Mm. And when we talk about money in relationships of any kind, we're, we're bound to find some frustration, some tension. Uh, no matter how much you love your spouse, trying to merge your lives uh, and his and her money can be very difficult. And, you know, after all, you know, uh, you both are coming from different life experiences. Maybe you have different incomes, uh, you have different perceptions, um, you know, and they could be, you know, have a lot of differences on money. And so that's why you sometimes have, you know, two different processes and views on money. So you know, give each other some grace. And um, we do feel very strongly about uh, making sure that you have um, one money goal versus two money goals. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have seven steps here to build the bridges uh, between you and your spouse. Yeah, and the first one, and you just alluded to it, but it's keeping money not separated when you get married. Um, and this is this is controversial. We have people um, that think very strongly in the other way, but we would say, um, you know, keeping separate accounts is not going to lead to healthy money conversations. Uh, two becoming one, we want everything in our lives and marriage to be one, not separate. Separating the money and splitting the bills. Uh, is a bad idea that leads to more money and relationship problems down the road. And even like communicating, we don't talk about this a lot, but, you know, getting on the same page with these conversations before you go into marriage or if you're in marriage, uh, having these conversations about, hey, how do how do we have joint bank accounts? How do we do that well? Mm-hmm. A lot of people just don't talk about that. So the first tip is to keep a joint bank account and not separate when you get married. Yeah, totally agree. And um, the second one here is discuss your lifestyle choices together. And again, it's, we're talking about communication here. And one person may be happy shopping at Goodwill and, and another person may want to buy brand names at full price. So, you know, if you have an income that that doesn't support the expensive taste, then that's going to be an issue. And, and marriage really is about compromise. If, if you're one of the, you know, if you, if you are, um, you have more expensive taste than the other, 
Uh, you have to, you know, maybe go to an outlet mall and snag some of those uh, name brands at affordable prices. And there are ways to discuss finances, you know, that end, um, you know, in the conversation and both having good outcomes. And the key is to really talk about it. 54% of people surveyed in this article who described their marriage as a great marriage discussed daily or weekly with their spouse um, about money compared to 29% of people who described their marriage as okay or in crisis. So I'll just speak from experience. I've been married for, you know, 30 30 years going on 31 years and and it is a um you know it's a give and take it is a it is a compromise and you have to talk about the money uh you know decisions as a couple um, when you come together and get married it is you mm-hmm. come together as one yeah the third one is to recognize your difference in personality <clears throat> everyone's money mindset is different and opposites do tend to attract chances are one of you loves working with numbers the nerd and the other would rather not be tied down or put in a box by what the numbers show the free spirit One of you might be the saver and the other is more inclined to spend. While personality differences cause some marital problems, it isn't the real root of money and marriage issues. The source of the problem tends to be when one person neglects to hear the other's input or when one of you bows out from handling the finances altogether. So listen up. A large part of marriage is laying down your preferences for the good of your spouse. You can see this in more ways than just money, but it's a really good reminder of a practice of how do I elevate this person's opinion, even over mine sometimes? How do I deny myself um, that they might be heard or they might be yeah. acknowledged in this in this conversation? So thinking through that is is really good. Yeah, and that can be difficult. And you got to put your pride down sometimes yeah. as well and do what's good for, for the uh, the marriage and your future. So the fourth one here is, is don't let salary differences come between you. And so for most couples, one person makes more than the other. And, and rarely will you both be making the exact same salary. Um, but whether the amount comes to $50 or 50000 a year, the same problem can arise. So instead of seeing the full pot of money as our money, you might think you have leverage over your spouse, all thanks to you know more money in your, in your paycheck. And sometimes the spouse bringing in the most money can feel entitled um, to, you know, to do what they want to do. So that's just asking for mo- more money and relationship troubles. It's not yours or mine. It's ours. And, and there's no reason to hold a higher income over the other's head. I mean, you're on the same team, you know, start doing, you know, goals together and start acting like you're on the same team. And on the other end of the spectrum, the one who makes less or stays at home with the kids might feel like they, they shouldn't have as much say. And, and we've heard, you know, many stay at home moms um, say they feel guilty for speaking into the budget or even spending money. Um, but remember, you, you know, you're on the same team, you have equal say in your marriage. And I'll, I'll tell you, we went through this because um, my wife, Tammy, your mom stayed at home with with you guys for a number of years. And so I was, you know, the sole breadwinner. And, um, I, I, fortunately I never had those feelings at all. She was, her job was equally, if not more important than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, certainly saved a lot of money from childcare and other things she did around the house. So if you start looking, you know, at, at goals for your family and your future, it becomes one. It's not separate buckets. You're on the same team and you should combine your resources. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, you can speak speak from experience on this. This is good. Um, another one is to keep purchases out in the open. Being unfaithful to your spouse doesn't always involve an affair. Uh, an affair. Sometimes it's it's when you're unfaithful to sh- a shared financial goal by opening up a side bank account or stashing away cash. Uh, the same applies if you have a credit card your spouse doesn't know about. It's crucial to be open and honest about any side checking or savings accounts or secret credit cards you may have. It's time to own up um, to the truth and to clear the air. Then work towards establishing financial trust again. Recommit 
your uh, your shared financial goals and remember why you're doing it. So again, just being honest and, and open and um, having this open line of communication with with your spouse is is just good. And, and yeah, again, don't don't hide things. Keep it keep everything out in the open. Yeah, and number six here is set expectations and goals together. So when it comes to money and relationships, unmet expectations can cause a lot of conflict. I mean, the quickest way to feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied with your spouse is when you expect things to go a certain way only to find out the reality is uh, quite a bit different. So if you've always thought that you have to have an immediately buy a house after getting married, you might feel let down when you celebrate your first anniversary in the apartment that you're renting. So, you know, don't let these unrealistic expectations pave the way for, for money or marriage problems. There's, there's no rule stating, you know, you have to buy a home initially, um, you know, or go to a trip uh, to Paris during your first year. Um, you know, if you, if you talk about these and set your expectations and discuss your goals together, um, whatever you do, whether it's, you know, fancy or not will be right for your family and it'll reduce the stress. Mm-hmm. And then this last one, if you do have kids, um, kids I've heard can be, uh, can be <laughs> challenging. Great. Can yeah. be awesome. Oh, they are awesome, no doubt. <laughs> and also can just uh, also put a strain on the marriage if you're not careful. So, you know, are your kids asking for money? Are they asking for the latest video game? Uh, you think about um, how they've behaved lately, and you say, "Hey, why not? Why don't we get them something?" But maybe your spouse is upset because that isn't in the budget. Whether it's buying them toys, giving them an allowance, or just paying for their sports equipment, kids have a way of bringing out the couple. Uh, the couple's thoughts on money, and it could be very different. You need to come to, to talk about it. Again, this is just like the theme of, of this conversation is just talking with your spouse and getting on the same page. Um, yeah, and thinking through, man, what do our kids need? What do they want? Um, how do we do this with a budget? Maybe you look at an annual budget and we say, hey, for this year, what do we want to spend on these kids? And that can give us freedom to do things we want to do. But again, being on the same page is is just very important with kids as well. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's a great article. I'll tell you that you know we do see blended marriages um, sometimes having split, and um, you know those are those are difficult issues. There, that's um, you know if you've had a bad situation or a bad experience with a previous spouse, um, that that plays into. But it's you have to talk about these things. I think it's very important. A great way to talk about it is to go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class. Um, it's a seven-week um, course, and it teaches you about about money and relationships, and it'll give you some ideas. Um, we're having it at Cedar Creek Church um, starting in March, so you can go to Dave's website and check that out. And there's there's classes going all over the CSRA or wherever you are listening to this. Right. So, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're newly married or you're struggling with money or have some uh, money issues with your spouse or family, um, check out Dave's class. It's a fantastic. Uh, it'd be a good next step for you as you're listening to this. Yeah, that's a good point. All righty, so uh, we're going to go next to the question of the week. Yeah, and this question is, what are my options for a highly appreciated security? And so this is really looking at if you have a stock, a single stock um, that is just highly appreciated, you have a, a very low basis and you have very high gains. Um, what do we do with this if we don't want to recognize the taxes on this? And there's two ways we'll mention. First one being a donor advised fund. Uh, this fund is is a way to donate highly appreciated assets and to um, designate it to a charity um, for for that year. So you get a you can get a, a deduction for contributing to this account, 
and then you can distribute it whenever you like, but it has to go to the charity. So a lot of details in that, but very high level donor advised funds, a great way to do it. Yeah, we do see a lot of people doing that. We just had a conversation this week um, with uh, with a couple and they had a, a stock that had very low cost basis and it had done very well over the last you know 10 or 15 years. And so donor advised fund, if you are charitably inclined, is a great Great idea, and we can give you more information if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. reach out to us. Um, we can certainly help you in that area and kind of give you some information. Another way is gifting. Um, you can gift um, some shares to uh, kids or grandkids. A um, little, little bit more complicated, maybe you would have to open up an account in their name, send them the shares, and then they would have to sell it in their tax bracket. And you know, there are a lot of tax brackets, Matthew, that are um, you pay no capital gain taxes on. So. You know, there's a, some ways that you can gift some of these shares, not only to the donor advised fund, but also to uh, to family members, and then they sell it in their tax bracket mm-hmm. and they pay no gains on it. So, you know, a couple of different options there. Um, we we do see get that question periodically, and um, you know, and if you have to sell it and uh, r- recognize some gains, just know that you made some money. You made some money. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, all right, we're going to switch uh, switch gears here and, and talk about the next topic and that's contentment and um matthew this is something that we we uh we do see and we don't talk about um uh, a lot um with clients because it it's important and um contentment can help you not only with money but also in your life and there are a million things trying to get your attention um every moment of every day from being influenced to social media uh to try to keep up with the jones next door you know they got a new car or new new house or right. you know there's always something going on and something newer nicer better uh and if you're not careful you'll get stuck in a cycle that'll leave you high and dry uh, emotionally spiritually and and even financially and so you don't have to live in that cycle and it starts with something called um contentment and um you know contentment is um is being at peace with where you are <clears throat> and you can't just feel you know yourself relaxing about it so you don't want to get too comfortable we're not talking about being lazy or apathetic um, but also as being content with where you are and, and moving forward and growing at a person. Um, and there's some th- just, I mean, the fact about contentment is, is we don't control most things in our life. I mean, you look at what's happening in our in our political uh, world. You look at um, the international conflicts that are out there. And, I mean, the news media just barrages you daily and it's just negative and it just beats people down, mm-hmm. really. So um, there's there's a couple of barriers to contentment that we're going to talk about here. And then we're also going to talk about three ways that you can actually find um, contentment. So I'll let you start with that. Yeah. And just real quick, I mean, it's contentment is not something that we will just drift into. Uh, Paul says that he learned to be content in whatever situation he is. So this is something that takes intentionality. It takes this, okay, there is something going on in my heart. There's something going on in our family, in our society, and we have to push against that. Uh, we don't want to be a jellyfish floating down the stream. We want to be dolphins that are able to say, no, no, this is actually not good to be discontent. We want, we want to change that. So yeah, two barriers. The first barrier is jealousy. Jealousy can steal your contentment, um, yeah, just in a very profound way. And if you've experienced, as we all have, um, you know, there's something that is not good in your life. Um, maybe you struggle with keeping up with the Joneses, as we all do from time to time. When you're consumed by what your neighbor, coworker, best friend, mom is doing, you'll never be content with who you are and what you have. And, and why is this? It's because someone else will always have something you don't have. So you can be green with envy 
where you can choose to be happy for others and thankful for the things that you currently do have. Yeah. And I think that's hard. I mean, you see Facebook and people going on trips and, you know, doing things. And I think the, the natural human reaction is, is, wow, that, that person's just, you know, doing really well. And, and maybe they are, but the, mm. the, the contentment piece of it is, is being resting where you are and where, where God has placed you. Um, yeah. In and, your life. and one quick note on social media, it's always presented as, oh, it's everything's perfect. So there's never, oh my gosh, look at the kids and how terrible they are. <laughs> it's always the best picture. It's yeah. always their, their best foot forward. So that's, you know, something also just to consider with, with that social media. Yeah, that's right. So another barrier to contentment is, is comparison and comparison is the thief of joy. I mean, listen, you know, comparing your life to someone else's is like playing a game. You'll never win. And, and, you know, we've played this game more times than we care to admit. So instead of basking in the memories, uh, you know, we made, um, you know, in, in, in Charleston and being thankful for the, the fun that we had, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, chase the make believe things that are not out there and you have to guard against your your uh, these traps and especially social media as well. So, you know, comparing yourself either from, you know, money standpoint or skills. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, golfers out there and, and mm-hmm. it's amazing watching them and they, they practice and they've been God-given, you know, talent. So it's it's amazement. Just, uh, you don't compare yourself right. to, to other folks because it'll hurt your contentment is what it boils down to. So so how do you find content contentment? I mean, it's not something you stumble upon, like you said, a minute ago, it's something you choose. Um, you have to be very intentional, um, but there's a formula to help you get there. You start with gratitude, which leads to humility, um, which helps breed contentment. So gratitude is um, is one of the healthiest of all human emotions, per Zig Ziglar. Um, and uh, it sounds right to me. I mean, uh, gratitude is a choice that you make every single day. If you, if you wait around until you feel it, um, it may never come. And you know, because it's not natural typically. So when you start finding and searching for little glimpses of hope in your life and where God has you right now, it can be amazing. So instead of starting your day with email, work, or social media, try writing down two things that you're grateful for. Um, you know, it can be very small. I mean, we, um, Tammy and I sit and have coffee in the morning and uh, we've really gotten gotten into birds. And so we feed mm-hmm. the birds out on the deck and they're just amazing little creatures, and there's so many different varieties of them, but it just brings us joy and peace, mm-hmm. just watching those little birds flap around. and The simplicity you know, of that. It is. It's very, very simple, but, but it's, um, you know, it, it, it does help kind of get my day started off, and we also read Scripture as well when we're doing that, but it's just a simple way to start off mm-hmm. the day, you know, on the right foot. That's great. Yeah, and then you mentioned the second one is humility. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote. It's it's so good. Um, I really would encourage you to think about this more. Um, but it says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So again, it's 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 not thinking less of yourself. It's not putting yourself down or saying, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing well in this. It's simply thinking of yourself less. It's being more interested in other people than in yourself. When you're in a season of jealousy or comparison, one of the best things you can do is get out and serve someone else. It gets a focus off of you and what you don't have to help someone else. When you're humble, you'll find that joy doesn't come from stuff, but it comes from spending time with people and serving other people. So this is this is profound. This is a very small statement, but just such a good thing to remember. Yeah, and so now if you have uh, if you have some gratitude and you're humble, uh, contentment can follow. I mean, once you found it, so don't let it get away. So. Keep choosing gratitude and humility uh, every single day, and it'll keep producing contentment in your life. And you know, contentment really impacts every single of your every single part of your life, relationships, but also your finances. So, 
there, there are three ways that contentment can make you um, more, um, you know, s- successful financially. And one of them is they help you save money. People who are content um, typically are putting money towards their future. And that means retirement and, and college funds, and they don't have to spend all their money on stuff. Instead, they have the patience to save and invest money. They, they, they know they won't see for 10 years or more, and it takes discipline. Um, but anyone who's retired wealthy will tell you patience and discipline are completely worth it in the long run. So, you know, you got to have that long-term vision and, and give up some of the uh, short-term mm-hmm. things that just don't matter. Yeah, that's right. The other one is 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 debt. <clears throat> the best way to become wealthy is to stop using debt as a tool. Uh, when payments eat up your income, it's hard to use that money to give and to save. Content people don't mind giving up a vacation or two because they know that their debt-free vacation in just a couple years will be so much better when they're not worried about how they're going to pay for it. They realize the freedom that comes from paying for things that they can actually afford is just is really good. Money, money is is a tool that's used that should be used to um, allow us to enjoy life and should be used for what we value in life. But um, when we start when we start worshiping it and start using it as a tool to accomplish more than what we've been given, debt it causes stress. It leads to stress, anxiety, marital relationship problems. I mean, there's just so much that goes on. So staying out of debt, um, it's just, it's, it's a good, it's a good recommendation. Yeah. And so contentment could also help your finances by living with an open hand. I mean, while this doesn't always reflect financial riches necessarily, your life will be richer when you care about and, and give to others. I mean, that's where the true joy comes from. And listen, we all have the fight, you know, have to fight the tendency to focus too much on, on ourselves. I mean, we're all guilty of that. But when you're intentional about giving, you begin to enjoy it more and it becomes a part of who you are and you look for ways and opportunities uh, to do that. So, you know, contentment's a beautiful thing. It's it's hard to get there. And when you pursue contentment in your life, it, it can have an amazing effect in all areas from your emotional well-being to your financial well-being. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess the takeaway on this is, you know, I mean, we see goals as, as important, but also just, gosh, trying to quiet the daily um, drumbeat of mm-hmm. our world um, strips contentment from people. I mean, we see yeah. it, we see people come in uh, frequently that are just stressed and they're, they're tired. And, you know, um, then we see others that have, have gotten the contentment piece of it. And it's, uh, it is um, refreshing to see that. Yeah. And I would say one thing that's really interesting is the people that are the most stressed are worried about things that they can't control. It's out of their control, um, and and they're stressed about it, whether it's politics or economy or anything else going on. But it's like, man, when you, you can focus on what you can control uh, in your life, which is how you receive situations, I think that is also just a freedom of contentment that you can have that, hey, my happiness, my contentment is not based on uh, what these people are doing to me because I have this this joy and this happiness and this peace internally. So, yeah, just not letting the world, and like he said, all that get wrapped up is is another good good tip. Yep, very good. So um, we're going to close out the show here with the prescription of the week. And the prescription of the week this week is to make sure your beneficiaries are up to date. And we, we're talking about this a lot because we're having these conversations um, a lot with, with clients. And pretty much every meeting, we're talking about beneficiaries. Yeah, that's right. And I actually just uh, spoke with uh, a client and we called up um, a very large company. And we had to learn that a deceased um, husband did not have her as a beneficiary, but it was the estate. And so now uh, this spouse is, is 
having to go through the probate process to get the money that will ultimately come to her. But instead of it taking about um, a week, it will take more than likely nine nine months to a year. So, you know, it's just like it, it can complicate things if you don't have beneficiaries properly designated, not only on retirement accounts, but also bank accounts is another one people often overlook. So yeah, updating beneficiaries is a really good, good step. Yeah. So make sure you have, you know, the primary beneficiary. Most people have that, not everybody, but most people have that done pretty well, but then contingent beneficiaries, mm, um, you good. know, having kids or grandkids, you know, if something happened to, to, you know, the two people at the same time, it would automatically go to the contingent really recommend. And sometimes those aren't easy answers. I mean, that's, you know, sometimes people don't put contingents on there um, because they're not sure how they want their money dispersed. But I mean, the reality is, is if, if, when you pass away, you and your spouse, if you're, if you're married, it's going to somebody. I mean, if you don't put it on the accounts, which is the easiest way, it will be dispersed through the probate process. Mm -hmm. And that's, it does cost money to go through probate. It's very time consuming as well. I think that's probably the biggest negative probate is it takes a lot of time effort and energy. We see people going through it. We've had to go through it um, in our family with when my grandmother passed a couple of years ago and she had everything structured correctly mm-hmm. and, and she still had to go through probate. My mom did with her and it's a challenging process. So uh, you do, do beneficiaries, make sure you spend some time on that. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time on that with clients. If, if you're not a client of ours, um, go look at your accounts, go take a look at that uh, 401ks, um, bank, bank accounts and so forth. It's a very important piece of the planning process. You just want to make sure you get it right. Yeah, that's right. Well, very good. So uh, that's been this week's edition of MoneyMD. So tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Health, And uh, check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.